this is awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I wore my special shirt today. <laughs> <laughs> well, this yeah, is right. audio recording. <laughs> it's podcast, Oops. but you know what? We can do a screenshot of, of you and I both here. So when it's released, yeah. it'll show that it was, it was you and I. So we can both just kind of look in the camera right now if that's what we want. And then awesome. from there, we'll use that as a screenshot. How's that sound? Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Unpolished MBA podcast. On this podcast, we have conversations with tech startup founders and entrepreneurs and traditional corporate MBAs. Many say that startups equal the unpolished MBA because those without the formal business education are scrappy and do many things untraditionally to achieve business success. But anyone who has built a business from an idea can attest to the fact that the experience is another level MBA and there's nothing quite like it. The candid conversation shared here is helpful to both sides of the fence. One is not better than the other, just different. Let's jump in. I'm your host, Monique Mills, and in my work, I get to have great conversations with a lot of smart and interesting people. In this episode, I share a conversation I had with Dee Acosta. We met on LinkedIn, and he is truly a funny guy, as you can tell from how the episode started out. It continues to get even better as we talk about his career, where he's pretty open about his thoughts on the NBA. Keep listening. on LinkedIn everyone is well before everyone was so stuffy yeah. and afraid to just like be themselves and yeah. um yeah I I couldn't be in that kind of platform so it didn't get utilized yeah. as much right so once people are right. able to kind of just be themselves some good some bad right we know it's yeah. not all good but yeah. I prefer it to be authentic yeah I think authenticity is there there's still a lot of professionalism but you know it's such a refreshing change of pace you know you go to Facebook and you've got the the aunt posting <laughs> racist memes and you know these days it's you know you're like what has what has gone on with people and then you know for the most part on, on LinkedIn it is a professional network it is people who you know like us who are trying to better themselves so yeah it is I love the authenticity here's my first question I'm gonna take you through the the fast round the first few questions and the first question is, are you an entrepreneur or corporate employee? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I like to pretend that I'm an entrepreneur, <laughs> uh, but I've been at the same company for over 10 years. Uh, wow. Yeah, two, two breaks during that time. So, you know, I think there's an entrepreneur element to sales. I think these days yeah. you really have to be on the hunt outside of your primary place of work. You know, maybe if you work at a large, you know, like a, a Salesforce or a, uh, an Oracle, it's a different story, but I still think you need to be network connected and trying to build business other ways. So I have worked for the same company for over 10 years. I, I did work at, I took a break. I did work at two other companies briefly in that time frame, And now I'm working as a strategic sales advisor for a small startup that my uh, a contact and friend runs. And, and that's been a good experience kind of honing my skills as well. You know, I like to think I'm an entrepreneur, but you know, my resume might say differently. We have one episode where I talk about that because entrepreneurs can be a little snobbish when it comes to people calling themselves entrepreneurs when yeah. they work inside a yeah. company. And they say, no, 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 
you have not put it all on the line like yeah. me. And so the, it's this whole competitive thing. Do we define it by who gets tortured the most in yeah. their daily life? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it's hard and the lines are blurring. I think about, I had a CEO who I really respect and believe he's CEO of a uh, Virgin Pulse now. I, I can't remember, but you know, he, he was our CEO for a long time. And he said, you know what, you should still interview every six months and I have a lot of respect for him. And I said, well, that's yeah. kind of aggressive. You know, six months does go by fast, mm-hmm. but he's right. You know, you should still, even in a sales role where you're very successful, you should still interview every six months because it is a good way to network and it's a good way to uh, um, build. So, you know, in that respect, it is, you're in a sales role. It is entrepreneurial, you know, looking for that absolutely a better way to make money startup founders once they get funded they have a base salary that they get you know it may not be much and it depends on what stage they're in but it's typically around fifty thousand dollars and then you know other things are based upon performance and and so i would say you know you 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 eat what you kill in sales so that's the same way it is in entrepreneurship and i really wish more were started out as salespeople. (laughs) i think we might have more successful companies yeah and and you know, I, I've run into that where an owner founder doesn't have a sales background. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they're an entrepreneur, but they don't have a sales background and they run into challenges with that part of the business with, you know, how do we scale? How do we sell? How do we tell a story? And, you know, every owner founder of a small startup is going to be, they have to be coached and supported to get away from that micromanagement. So it can be kind of, you know, you have this, this person who's not a, doesn't have a sales background pushing bad sales theory to their team as they micromanage. So it is, you know, it is a challenge, but you know, that's the way of business, right? Like if, if it's the dry cleaner across the street, right. Or, you know, the, the hot tech startup with the new app, you know, it, it, it is a, a curve, right? That small dry cleaner, their management style will be very different from the first year to the, the 25th year. So that, you know, it's the way it is. I wanted to get back to your, to your LinkedIn headline because you know it really gives you a personality without someone actually meeting you and was that by design so basically for those who are listening his headline says he's like Batman with an MBA but for sales and marketing <laughs> so was that by design and what made you change your uh, your title to say that yeah that's a, that's a great question um, so people really like Batman. Like they really, really like Batman. Um, you know, I, I have a daughter. She she has Batgirl action figures. Uh, Bat. There's a show, Teen Titans. Teen not Teen Titans. Um, DC superheroes. Batgirl is one of her her favorites. Um, so people really like Batman. Um, but it's more that you know Batman. Why do people like him? Well. He's very, uh, very resourceful, right? You know, he's got his utility belt. He's got new devices. He's, he runs a business as well. Uh, he networks, you know, he's got his powerful allies. He's got villains. So people really, really respond to that. And then the NBA part, you know, I do have an MBA. I don't think it taught me anything. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't network much during it. It's just because I did it part-time. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I I do frown upon people who put MBA in their title or their LinkedIn line. I'm like, look, the only people who should do that went to Ivy League, and then the Ivy League people don't do that on purpose, so no one should do that. I think it's so I, I put it there just to be kind of cheeky. I thought about changing it, but you know, Batman people like Batman. It resonates with Batman. It's, it it doesn't people aren't afraid of of the 
of Batman, but it's still cool, right? It's still like dark and, you know, the new Batman preview came out and you've got Robert Pattinson wearing eyeshadow. <laughs> people are like, oh, he looks cool. So it resonates well. People love it. Um, I might remove the NBA part, but it stuck with me. I don't think it's going anywhere. <laughs> In this next part, we talk about when and why he decided to get his MBA. And we discuss how many people go back to get their MBAs during an economic downturn, just like what we're experiencing right now during this pandemic. It's really a personal decision either way, and somehow Dee managed to get that point across in a fun yet humble way. Keep listening. I think the experience is different for everyone, right? Um, you know, I have friends that got their MBA from, uh, you know, Stanford and, you know, MIT, and that's much more, you know, they went full time, it's much more involved. The networking is a big factor in that. You know, I, I got my MBA as the, the Great Recession started, but like a lot of people were getting their MBAs, right? So why and, did and you my, go? Was it just? It was a personal goal. Like okay. it was something important to me. And I don't regret it. You know, I... <laughs> You know, there everybody regrets the student loans that you know have, have recently been paid off. But you know, I, I don't regret it. But you know, do I? It, it's more for self uh, uh, affirmation, right? So, Monique, it's not because I want to. You know, I go, oh, I got an MBA to hiring managers more because I say, you know what, I did something really hard that was diff that was difficult. Not just because the MBA was hard to do, but because I was in a sales role. You know, doing being in the stress of sales and getting an MBA, and I got married at the time. It's a very stressful oh, combination. Oh, yeah, you're Batman. Yeah, that, that fits Yeah, right. like, <laughs> so, you know, that's like, the, the, the frame means more <laughs> than the yeah. experience, you know. It's a story behind it. Yeah, and so, you know, the other thing is, like, we, we have, you know, I have children. I don't know if you have children. Do you have I do. Children? Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, it, it sounds so cheesy, but I think it's important that they have that standard set, you know, so you know, to see their mom be educated, like not just a college degree, because, you know, that's pretty given, but she did more than that. My daughter, see her dad, he did more than that is important. I, I don't know, that's cheesy. I, I'm actually Hispanic. You know, I'm the first to get an, an MBA in my- that's uh, a, but, but that's a great standard degree. to set for your daughter. Yeah, but you know, my, my uncle was the first to go to college. He, he actually went on a football scholarship to hmm. Eastern Kentucky. And that was so inspirational to me growing up like mm -hmm. I remember him coming for spring break and how excited I was to see him and you know these images of, of college you know and so I think that that's important too you know that's a side effect that you get from having graduated. Are you one of those people who think that good salespeople are usually extroverted meaning they get energized from engaging with people? I'll admit that early in my career, I thought that. If you haven't noticed, Dee has a great, jovial, don't take myself too seriously, even though I'm accomplished type of personality. I mean, he's someone I would invite to one of my karaoke parties. But in this take, he talks about how his personality works against him many times in his sales career. And yeah, we have a few more laughs in this clip as well. Keep listening. There's a lot of introverts who are good at sales, you know, and, and the big, the big important thing about sales, you know, the hunt, right? Always looking for that next opportunity. 
Mm-hmm. It, being able to empathize, being able to talk money, of course, but, um, you know, delivering against a process is really important too. So yeah. Yeah. You know, honestly, my, my personality sometimes betrays me because people like me so much. They tell me what I want to hear and yeah. you know, attention that is so necessary. They don't anyway, want to tell you no. Yeah, exactly. Anyone can be in sales. If you can manage the stress, <laughs> you can be in sales. And there's only so much in your control as well, That's right? right. You can't control the, the usual territories, 100 accounts, right? You can't control when they're spending, what they're messaging against. Do they already have a solution they're embedded in? You know, there's a lot there. And, you know, it takes empathy, from sales leadership, and it takes some, you know, realism too. You know, too many, when I started in sales, everybody's, oh, here's a million dollar quota, you know? <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, telling some 20-something-year-old kid to sell a million dollars is quite something. In your job now, what is it that you sell? Yeah, so uh, for the company, I work for Aberdeen, for the company I've been at for over 10 years, and um, primarily sell marketing services. So we have an analyst team, we create content, we have a readership, we do demand generation. We have um, contact data that's, that's really good, and we capture really powerful intent. And we have our own in-house ad engine. So there's a lot of cool stuff that we can do. You know, everything's data and analytics now. And then um, the other company I work for, they provide a, a ROI platform. So value engineering, you know, think about 20 years ago, 30 years ago, going in to sell an ERP system to a manufacturing company, like that's a huge investment for them, right? And they have to really be sold on ROI. Um, you know, back then it wasn't a, a given. Uh, so the a whole kind of industry set up there. And this is a tool that allows definitive ROI to be shown for it to scale, for it to work with different teams, products um, and look good and integrate, which is really important. So that's what I, I'm doing now. You know, I, I love working with marketers. They're the best. Um, mm-hmm. I sold to higher ed for a short while and that was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> what was so horrible about it? Sales cycle? Procurement was tough, but just they're not gold by um, business. They're not gold by dollars at the end of the day. That's they're very concerned about what their peer institution is doing and, and keeping risk low, which I get. You know, but marketers are great to sell to. There's, you know, I love IT guys too and, and analytics guys, but it is, you know, there's different personas. I do help manage the SDR team. Okay. Um, that's something I've done, but I don't, you know, there's, we're small enough. There's no, there's no need for, you know, a lot of managers, but I, you know, I, I've been there so long. I had so much success that I'm, I'm allowed to do, I have a lot of autonomy and, and that's one of the benefits of, of, of sales, right? You know, is, is that ability right? And it's kind of needed too. So like all the stress you're on, you know, you can't control when someone's signing something, what their budget looks like, their boss is going to say tons of things you can't control. Mm -hmm. So having that autonomy is sometimes needed. And, you know, with everyone working from home, I think even more so, like, I think everybody deserves that autonomy. You know, you need to take an hour, an hour, go to the gym in the middle of the day. Don't go in the morning. Don't go at night. Go to your work day. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, do you believe your MBA has had any impact on your career and, and the way you operate? Even so, so, it sounds like you didn't take advantage of the network because you were doing it part-time, but yeah, in other ways. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it did. Uh, that's not to knock MBAs, right? But everybody has a different experience. And, and you know, some, in some sales, not all, but some sales position, there is a little animosity towards MBAs. Really? Um, in what way? Yeah, you know, somebody would be like, oh, you know, oh, you have an MBA. It's not necessary. It was a waste. Nah, but you think you're better than me type of uh-huh. thing. Uh-huh. I knew you were going to say that. I think you think yeah. you're better than me. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like, no, no. This was my personal choice to torture myself for, uh, <laughs> you 
know, however many years, like everyone's the same, right? You know, we're learning, just learning different things. And I know a lot of people with Ivy League degrees who, you know, are in marketing, right? Or, or they're in sales. So, you know, I don't, it, it shouldn't threaten anyone. If anything, should be new ideas that can be brought to the table. But um, if you want me to, to do the, the numbers on if uh, acquisition makes sense, you know, the M&A, like I still, <laughs> I can't, I, I don't know, don't ask me. M&A class, I was, I was like, what is this? And uh, you know, the, the tables we had to look at, but in mm -hmm. corporate it might have more benefit. Well, that's it. Did you enjoy it as much as I did recording it? Although there were some jokes, don't overlook the insights D shared with us, like how there's an entrepreneurial component to sales and how you should be on the hunt outside of your primary job and interview at other places every six months or so. He also talked about how he doesn't regret doing his MBA, but he doesn't feel that it has added to his career success since he didn't take advantage of the many benefits of going full time and networking, etc., which is really where a lot of the value is in business schools, especially at Ivy League schools. Despite all of that, he set a valuable example for his family and continues to be a rock star in sales. The Unpolished MBA conversation continues, and you can be a part of it by going to unpolishedmba.com. Thank you for listening. At additional ways to combat racial, racial equity. So that was the entire reason I got that degree was looking at racial equity, organizational leadership with regard to how to structure a company culture. Those two things were important to me and I already had the software knowledge. So I didn't need to go to school. I didn't feel like I needed to get a degree in that. Mm -hmm. As far as business was concerned, yes, definitely a lot to still learn there because nobody is knows it all mm -hmm. at any point. You still have people you're going to ask. But I wanted to get down to the socialization of organizations and how that plays into people who look like me. Now, on the topic of entrepreneurship, I want you to tell the audience um, some of the ventures you've done in the past and most importantly, what you're working on right now. Okay, sure. So I probably say I started my first company when I was six. <laughs> um, I had a uh, candy selling business. Um, I'd take my little $5 my mom gave me, go to the store and flip it. That's such a common um, story with entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah very young. And, and I did that probably up until high school. Um, then my, my product changed in high school when I started coding. But um, <clears throat> my first major venture was a company called L&L Corporation, which was a fintech product I built for a video game that pretty much allowed people to gain interest on video game currency. Um, we were oh. in three different games at the time before I shut it down. And um, pretty much we would just amass a bunch of coins. And then we, we had a system that put interest on those coins like a banking system and then mm -hmm. they could withdraw and um, make money that way. Um, and we actually had like real CDs and stuff where the money was stored. So it was a great little fun venture, that but uh, that was well, yeah. well ahead of its time though. 
It was because this was before Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And that was essentially what we were trying to do was decentralize like coin in video games Mm -hmm. and make it a real thing. Of course, these games where you could natively transfer coin into real money anyway. Mm -hmm. So that process made it easy. But applying that in a banking sense was just something uh, had never been heard of. But things got hectic and Mm -hmm. I just shut it down one day Mm -hmm. and uh, I was burned out, completely Mm -hmm. burned out, depressed, sad, whole thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens in entrepreneurship at times when we go head down and just build and don't think about life. (laughs) Um, Then in 2015, I started a, my software company, regular software development to code direct. Then we turned that into a SaaS platform called WP Clover about a year ago. And then we finally combined everything together and now we're Shamrock. So essentially we have combined the processes of a website builder with an email marketing system, with a, um, business uh operation system like 17 hats into one platform so far so good we have um, made some great strides over the last few months brought on our cto recently and that has helped us streamline processes a lot because i was doing ceo and cto work at the same time oh gosh yeah that's tough yeah yeah um had to pivot a little bit during covid just because with our business being dedicated to small businesses, we had to make sure we tackled mature small businesses Mm -hmm. or folks who have low overhead. And that's what made things simpler there. We will release the machine learning portion of our platform here in the next month. Going into 2021, we feel like that's going to be the year. Um, We've gotten our feet wet and now we're drying out and (laughs) proceeding (laughs) to the next thing. Well, it sounds like one of those things that's so large, it's like one of those things where it's like, you have to be careful that you don't think you can boil the ocean, right? Right. Because yes. it's, it, it's just, it sounds like a massive solution to small businesses. And so it's going to have a great impact, which that's incredible. Okay, that's it. Sheffy has done a lot in her career, and despite that, she still never finished learning and growing. That's the true heart of an entrepreneur. And though she's a talented developer and confident in her abilities, with the results to prove that she's effective, she's talked about how quite often the world still requires additional validation from her. Unfortunately, this story is all too common, especially for women in the tech world. So if you're experiencing a similar situation, just know that it's individuals like you and like Sheffy that are clearing the path for the generations behind you while actively setting an example for those around you right now. Well done. The Unpolished MBA conversation continues, and you can be a part of it by going to unpolishedmba.com. Thank you for listening.